it was just an innocent look. I mean, I am the king. I do have power. My story when I was young, I killed a giant. I've got bragging rights. I have all power and authority. I actually get to govern the land and set the rules and the laws. But that's when I noticed her. It, it was just, it was just an accident. I, I just looked a little too long and I saw something I shouldn't have. But it consumed me. The desire and the lust of the flesh. I needed to have more. I wanted more. And so I slept with her. I know. I knew she was married. But I didn't have the control or the power over the sin. I wanted what I wanted and nothing was going to stop me. And if that wasn't bad enough, now she's pregnant. This is embarrassing. It's shameful. What will the people think if, if they find out their leader slept with a married woman and she's pregnant? I feel so guilty. I chose that. I should have just looked away. I should have turned my head the moment I saw her. But I didn't. And now I'm sick on the inside. Now I've made mistakes that I can't fix. I know what I'll do. I'll have her husband be put on the front lines of the battle. That way he can be dead and gone and it'll solve the problem. That's what I'll do. I've got to figure out how to fix this thing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have her husband killed in battle. I can't believe I did this. I'm so ashamed. It was just an innocent look. And it became so much more and I cannot bear the weight of it. It was a hot, humid day. I was doing what I've always done, looked for love in all the wrong places. It was wrong. I know it was wrong. But I had no other choice. You don't understand how desperate I was for love. It didn't matter if it was counterfeit or fake. I wanted to be loved and to be held and to know that I mattered. And so I gave them what they wanted. It didn't matter the price or the cost. I just gave them what they wanted. And then the worst happened. They caught me. They caught me in the act. And they began to make fun of me to my face. 
And they picked up stones, stones big enough to throw at me because the law said that I should be killed. And they drug me through the town square. I was so ashamed. I was so humiliated. And they threw me on the ground. The dust kicked up in my long hair and my tears burning down my dusty cheeks. And I trembled, waiting for the impact of the first rock, the jagged edges. I was scared. And I was alone. And I needed help. And they began to talk to the supposed son of God, this Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, the law says that she deserves to be stoned to death. And I knew they were right. I knew the law. I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but in desperation, I did it anyway. What would the supposed son of God say? I hung my head in shame. It was too much to look up. My face grimaced, my body clenched, and I waited. And I looked, and there he was, drawing in the sand. And one by one, those stones began to fall. And the men scoffed under their breath. And one by one, they walked. I was still ashamed I was still humiliated and then he spoke to me he spoke to me what would he say to me how could I defend myself against him how could I disprove the truth that I broke the law I was so ashamed and humiliated and I just hung my head. Contrast, the differences between the lightest and darkest parts of a picture. We've talked about it all week. Sunday we talked about the difference between life and death, salvation and God, and the death and brutality of our sin. Monday we talked about relationship over religion that God desires a personal relationship with each one of us as we are, baggage and all, sin and selfishness and all. And that relationship always trumps religion. Relationship always wins. It's life-giving. Relationship isn't frustrating. Rules and religion is. What does it mean to have a relationship with the one true God? Can it be real? Last night we talked about being in the game. Are you in the game? God's not looking for another bench warmer. He has plenty. Bench warmers don't save people from going to hell. Bench warmers don't break generational curses. Bench warmers don't rise above habitual sin. Game players do. Champions do. 
And we shattered a mirror last night. But here's how this thing plays out. We're going home tomorrow. And I've seen it on your faces today. I've seen the way you're hanging your head. Because you know what you go home to. And it's hard. It's hard. We have lived the dream life this week. Bunking in the same dorm. Counselors who are freaking awesome and cool. Ready to pray with us and talk with us at all hours of the night. Incredible worship that feels like we're in heaven. Like you can feel and some of you are disappointed you've already bought into the line that what happened this week wasn't real that God didn't forgive you that it was just a thing that like a bunch of people cried and we thought life changed but really it didn't and you've already entertained the idea of the sin that you're going to go home to. And you've been changed back on. And they're heavy. And they're uncomfortable. But I'm here tonight to tell you that is a lie from the pits of hell itself. See, here's the thing about these chains. They represent the sin that Jesus has broken off of us, right? They represent the very thing that Jesus has forgiven us of this week. And so, you and I, we're gonna go back home and we're gonna sin again, myself included. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Translation, we will never be perfect. But when you go home and you sin again, it doesn't mean that God isn't real. And that what happened this week was fake. Just because you return to that thing doesn't mean that Jesus didn't forgive you. It just means you gotta get back with Jesus. And every time, man, this is so beautiful. Every time you and I choose to sit with Jesus, and we read our word, and we pray, and we listen, and, and we worship, we, we put on worship music, and we cry out to God without Joey and his awesome band. And every time you go to church, Jesus begins to do this. He begins to take it off. And he says, child, it was a real thing, baby. You are not bound anymore. I didn't think through this. I thought this would be easy. But I'm not a multitasker. <laughs> I'm not bound. Just because I pick up the sin again doesn't mean that I'm not forgiven or freed from that thing. It simply means that I get to take it off and stand on the truth of God's word. That whoever is in Jesus Christ is a new creation. That the old has gone and the new has come. That there is life in Jesus Christ. That there is freedom in Jesus Christ. That we don't go home the same way we came to camp. You can't go home the same way you came to camp. 
You can't afford to pick up those chains again and believe a lie from the pits of hell that you were not forgiven. Because you know the thing about chains is you can't walk like you're supposed to walk. You can't run your race for Jesus like you're supposed to run your race. There's three stories. The woman who bled for 12 years. 12 years. She was talked about. 12 years she was sick in her body. 12 years she spent everything she had to get an answer. And she came up short. And she was talked about. And she was made fun of. And she was ashamed. Shame isolates us. When we're embarrassed about parts of our story, it isolates us. You stop talking to your friends. You stop showing up at church. And you know what? You guys need friends who will help you take the chains off just like this. You cannot do it alone. You need people who will walk with you and hold you accountable. You need people who will speak the truth of God into you and say, no, you were forgiven. I saw God change you. You're different. You're not who you were when we went to camp. You need friends who will take those chains off of you. There's no value in these chains. They represent death and bondage. Either God is who he says he is or he's not. And the standard of truth you choose to believe is what will guide your life the rest of your day. You cannot go home the same way that you came to camp. The woman who bled for 12 years, she pushed her way through the crowd. In desperation, she reached out and she touched the hem of Jesus's garment and power instantly went out from him. And he, she was made whole. Will you be that desperate for Jesus? Will you push through whatever your obstacles are? Will you push through your shame and the pressure that you feel because your friends don't love Jesus and they make fun of you? Will you push through that to get to the one who knows you and loves you best? Or will you stay bound? David, the Bible says that he was known as a man after God's own heart. Those are powerful words. Took an innocent look at a woman that wasn't his. One thing led to another, and it led to another. And David, instead of owning his sin, he made it worse. There was no one to blame but David. Eventually, David owns it, and he repents before God. And he makes things right. Will you own what's yours? Will you own what's yours? Because there's no life or freedom in chains. The woman caught in adultery, desperate to be loved. And she was caught. 
on the ground in front of Jesus Christ. By law, they should have killed her. But grace and mercy said no. By law, you and I deserve death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but praise God that he gave his one and only son, John 3, 16, that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That's for you. Will you own that? Will you embrace that? Will you stop trying to logically explain everything? Will you stop pushing the love of the Father away and just own it? God is not like man that he should lie. God is never going to walk out on you. He's never going to change his mind about you. He's never going to stop loving you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to forget you. No matter how hard you try. Contrast. The degree of difference between the lightest and darkest parts of a story. See, here's the point of it all. Your life will either add to the light or to the darkness. And the choice is yours. But if you walk around with chains on, you will never add to the light. You will always be a part of the darkness. You cannot go home the same way you came. You cannot go home in chains. It's not too late. It's not too late for you to cry out to Jesus and ask to be saved and to repent and turn and follow him. It's not too late to surrender whatever that thing is. It's not too late to drop whatever it is that you've been carrying. Because it was never yours or mine to carry. It's heavy. It's incredibly heavy. And it's inconvenient. And this represents what each one of us typically do on the last night of camp. We start thinking about home. And we start thinking about all the things that we're going to go home to. And we pick up fear and we put it in our backpack. And we say, what if my friends make fun of me? What if God isn't real? What if I don't feel God in my bedroom like I did at camp? And we live in fear. You cannot live in fear of man and fear of God all at the same time. Who will you trust when you go home? You cannot go home the same way you came to camp. You cannot run your race if you live in fear of man. Lies. This is a big one. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't know me. God's mad at me. There's not room for me in God's family. God's just like my dad, deadbeat punk. If God loved me, then I wouldn't be sick. If God loved me, then that family member wouldn't have died or my parents wouldn't have gotten a divorce or there wouldn't be cancer. Those are lies from the pits of hell. Because regardless of your life, God is a good, good father. And that will never change. 
You cannot go home and run your race and be a part of the light in the world if you put lies in your backpack and carry it around. I'm telling you, it's going to change how you walk. Are you going to believe the truth or are you going to believe the lies? Shame. But Tara, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, you don't know what I've done either. And shame is like this false pride that says what God has given me isn't good enough. That when God says and he looks me in the eye and he says, I love you and I forgive you and you're free. When we choose to carry around shame, we tell God that he's lying. Are you going to believe God and his word to be true or are you going to write the narrative? Because when you write the narrative, you will never be a part of the light. Contrast, the degree of difference between the lightest and darkest parts of a story. Shame is never a part of God's story. Never. Jesus Christ never once shamed anyone, nor will he. That is not who he is. Guilt. It's a heavy, heavy weight. Guilt. The last person I got high with died of a drug overdose a year later. You don't know how long I carried this one. And I blamed myself. Jesus says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Translation, if you belong to me and I've forgiven you, you owe nothing. No explanation. No justification. When Jesus endured the cross, he took everything, including our guilt. See, if you carry around guilt for your past or your choices or something that happened in your life, you'll never be a part of the light. You'll always be a part of the darkness. And when you carry guilt, you cannot run the race that Jesus Christ has set out for you. <coughs> Pressure. My parents are going to make fun of me. My friends are going to think I'm whack. They're going to talk about me. I'm going to push the line just a little bit, Tara. Just they don't think I'm like that weird. I don't want to pay before my lunch at school because I don't want to get made fun of. I don't want to invite them to church because I've already invited them like five times and they said no. Pressure. Pressure doesn't shape you to be a man and woman of God. It crumbles you because it's heavy and it's a weight that you were not designed and wired to build, to carry. You know what shapes you to be like Jesus Christ? The fire. When you're the only one standing up for what's right and doing the right thing. Pressure. If you go home from camp and you carry the weight of pressure... You will never be a part of the light. You will be a part of the darkness and you cannot run the race that Jesus Christ has set out for you. You were never designed or created to carry that. Pain. There's a lot of pain in this room. I've heard someone say once that God yells in our pain. 
And oftentimes the way you and I translate pain is this. God doesn't care. God's nowhere around. God's not a good father. See, I knew he was a screw up. I knew he was a punk. Pain is an invitation in your life for God to display his glory. Translation, God wants to use your pain to display his goodness to everyone else in the world who has pain. Cody talked about this last night. It was brilliant. Pain and brokenness is a thing that unites us, but you can't afford to carry your pain home. If you left it at the foot of the cross, it has to stay there. Because if you carry your pain around like a trophy, like some sort of accomplishment, poor me, pity, terror, look at how much she's been through. You will never put Jesus Christ on display. It'll change the way you walk. You won't be able to run the race that Jesus Christ has set out for you. You were never designed to carry pain, but to carry the weight of his presence. Everywhere you go, Jesus goes. How would that change how you walk? You can't carry around your pain. Disappointment. We all have it at some point in our lives. Disappointed at maybe how something played out in our family, in our life. Disappointed at maybe how God answered a certain prayer or didn't answer. If you carry around the weight of disappointment, you'll never be able to run the race that Jesus Christ has set out for you. It'll change the way you walk. You won't be able to truly worship him in spirit and in truth. Have you surrendered your disappointment to Jesus? Do you think God was ever disappointed? Think about it. He has everything. The entire world, for crying out loud, he breathes out stars. Y'all bring out, y'all breathe out some funky stuff in the morning. I'm just saying. God <laughs> breathes out stars. You think he's ever disappointed? Yeah, he was. I'll tell you one. He was disappointed in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Kind of scares us, right? Doesn't feel too good. When your best friend does, does you wrong, does that disappoint you? It's the same with God. He has a heart. He's not a robot. But here's the beauty of it all. You and I don't have to carry disappointment. I can say, God, I'm disappointed with my family. But thank you for what you've given me. Help me to love them like you love them. See, you cannot carry the weight of disappointment and go home and, and walk the way you're supposed to walk and run the race that you're supposed to run. See, if contrast is a degree of difference between the lightest and darkest parts of the story, I guess what I'm trying to ask all of us tonight, myself included, is what is your life going to portray? In two weeks, when we're not at camp. In three months. In six months. When you've picked up that sin and someone's trying to call you on it. You gonna be offended? You gonna pop off on them? Say, psh, you don't know me. 
How are you going to walk? How are you going to run your race when it's just you? What are you going to do tomorrow when you go home and your parents are fighting again? You going to blame God? As if he's somehow fallen off his throne and dropped the ball? We all got free will, man. Just like you and I choose to do wrong, so can your parents. to do in six months when someone dies? Are you going to let that separate you from God? I want to tell you guys a story tonight in closing. It's one of my all-time favorite stories. It's about a guy by the name of Cliff Young. and um, Cliff was a farmer. And Cliff was 61 years old. And one day Cliff decided to run a race. Not just any race, it was a ultra marathon. That's 544 miles. They don't really measure races like that in miles, but zip codes. He showed up the day of the race wearing his Oshkosh overalls with his boots on. Didn't have any running shoes. Didn't even have any sponsors like all the other racers who lined up. Half his age and $400 ergonomic running shoes. Cliff takes out his fake teeth. They rattle when you run. Cliff lines up and, and the gun goes off and everyone just takes off like pumped shots from the starting line. But old Cliff, Cliff shuffles along and Cliff eats dust. <laughs> and they run. And everyone knows that the way to run an ultra marathon is to run for 18 hours a day, sleep six, get up, repeat five, six, seven days. But old Cliff didn't know that. Cliff ran right on through the dark of the night. Cliff kept running. While others slept and the cameras turned off, clipped. Cliff kept shuffling through the dark of the night. And in five days, 15 hours and four minutes, Cliff crossed that finish line first, beating the world record by two days. The second place finisher was nine hours later. They handed Cliff a $10,000 check. He said he didn't know there was a prize. He just ran for the wonder of it all. And old Cliff stood there at the finish line handing out an equal share of the $10,000 to every other runner who finished that race. Mm. And that is a true story. You're going to go home and it's going to be dark. But how are you going to run? It says in the Bible, somewhere between Genesis and Revelation, do not look at the past, at the things of the past, but instead looking ahead and keeping your focus and your eyes on Jesus Christ, you run the race set out before you. And all of heaven is backing you. All of heaven is chanting your name. The greats. David. Abraham. Moses. They're all chanting your name and cheering you on. In fact, it says that Jesus Christ prays for you every single day. You run your race. 
and you run through the dark and you take everything that you've been given and you freely give it out. You give out the love of Jesus. You give out the hope of Jesus. You give out the good news of Jesus. But don't you dare stop running. Don't you dare stop. Sin will never satisfy. The, the, the earth and all it has to offer will never fill that deep longing for love and acceptance. And don't wait for heaven to get to know Jesus. It doesn't work that way. He's the most incredible, beautiful, intelligent I don't even have the words. But you will sell yourself short and you will allow the enemy to punk your soul if you stop running. And when you get tired and the load gets too heavy to bear and you're ready to quit, you look beside you and you find a friend to run with and you run together and you make your life count. 365 days, 24 hours a day, you and I, one life to live. How will you run it? Jesus, thank you for what you've done this week. Thank you for the chains that have been broken. God, for the weight of things that have been laid down at the foot of your cross. God, the fear and the shame and the guilt and the pain and the sin God, the disappointment. Thank you for freedom. God, we want our lives to count. We want to be a part of the light. We want to be a part of what you're doing in this earth. And God, I know that so many in this room tonight want this thing to be real. And they want to go home and they want to love you and they want to worship you and they want to honor you and they want to serve you. But God, it's going to be hard. There's going to be an enemy out prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But God, greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. God, thank you that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work inside of us. And God, we are cycle breakers in Jesus' name. We are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. We can say no to sin in Jesus' name. God, make us a pure and holy people. Give us clean hands, God, and a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, God. Give us the mind of Christ. God, give us eyes that are firmly focused on you, Jesus. That we would see you every day in the splendor of your holiness. And God, that we would just keep running and never stop. God, I thank you that it's going to be worth it all in the end. When we stand face to face with you in heaven. And every tongue and tribe and nation will be there encircled around your throne and worship. It'll be incredible. God, I pray that you, that the fire that you have ignited in hearts this week, God, that your Holy Spirit would breathe on it daily. And that you would consume them with your presence, God. That they would want to hear your voice above all the others, God. That they would want to read their Bible and not just read it, but actually do what it says. God, that the things of the world and the sin would be disgusting to them, God. Make our sin like dog vomit, God, please. 
God, help us to never pick the chains back up. Help us to never pick up the rocks, God, but help us to pick up our sword. Help us to grab each other's hand and just walk each other home. God, give us a heart for the lost like you have. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you've done this week. God, this is sacred ground and we will never be the same again. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name.